Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hello. Hello. I'm going to move this out of the way. Is that okay? Guys, how, how are you today? Are you doing okay? You doing good? You ever did that, Bill? Thank you so much. That is the best thing that could have ever happened. Uh, hey, uh, when I was a kid, I remember reading a book, maybe you've read this book, maybe you've heard of it, called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Have you heard of this book? you heard of this book, okay? So, uh, it, fun fact, it was written in 1972. Did not know it was that old. Uh, but spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, this little kid named Alexander has a really, is a horrible day. It's bad. Um, but really, it actually isn't that bad. It's actually very funny to look at what this little kid, Alexander, uses to classify himself having a bad day. So uh, I'm trying to think, remember what happens to him. He gets gum in his hair. Yes, he does. He gets his sweater wet before school. Uh, on his way to school, he doesn't get the window seat, um, which I guess would be a bummer. I don't know. Um, and then uh, when he gets to school, he's not good at drawing, so he's like doing bad in art class, which, man, I can relate to that terrible drawer. Uh, and then finally, my favorite one, um, he counts too loud. And so he thinks that that makes his day bad. doesn't make sense at all to me. But I think the reason that it's so popular, the reason that it's been around so long, is that because it, uh, we can all relate to this, to what Alexander experiences, which is sometimes we just have days where we feel like we can't win. Right? Maybe you've had a day like this where every little thing is going wrong. And at the point, at a certain point, something just happens and you're like, that's, of course, that's classic. Why wouldn't that happen today? Everything is going wrong. And sometimes it's a bunch of little things that like a week later we can look back at and be like, ha ha ha, that was so funny. My terrible day. Other times, though, it is not a bunch of little things that don't really matter. And instead, it's like one big thing or, or two really significant things that, that go wrong or, or happen to us that are just confusing and, and weird and, and we don't understand why it's happening to the point where we are wondering, oh man, maybe, maybe like God is mad at me or, or we get mad or we get sad and, and we just don't understand what's going on. Now why do I say that? Because that is what our friend Naomi would have been experiencing in the story that we're looking at today. See, Naomi had a, a really hard life, and that's what we're talking about tonight, difficult times, times of pain. And we want to specifically look at, in the story of Ruth and Naomi, how you and I can learn how to be a friend that sticks with another friend in their pain, how we can be a friend that stays. And so, so the lesson that we want to draw from tonight, the thing that we want you to, to kind of memorize into your head is this. It's that we stay because God stays. We stay, there it is, we stay because God stays. And so we're just going to jump right into the book of Ruth, and as we get through a few things, I will explain it to you as it comes, but we're just going to jump right in. So the book of Ruth takes place 3,000 years ago, which is a really, really, really long time ago. And it starts with the, actually, I need a volunteer, can I have just a volunteer? I need a volunteer. Um, Alex, yeah, you're right here. Easy. Okay, come on up. So, Alex, I'm just going to hand you a few things that you just need. I just need you to hold up. Okay? Okay. So, the book of Ruth starts in, like, verse 1 with a guy named 
You just hold him up. Elimelech. That's Elimelech. I drew that. So I was pranking you about not being a good drawer. <laughs> no, it's from Google. Uh, that guy named Elimelech and his wife, hold that, Naomi. Don't they look like a fun couple? And they live in the town of Bethlehem. And you've probably heard of Bethlehem in Israel. But here's the thing. They have to leave Bethlehem because there is a famine in the land. And a famine doesn't mean like they couldn't like afford certain foods or they didn't like what they were eating. Like food wasn't an option. Like their, all of their crops and their plants were dead, which meant that all of their animals were dead, which means that they soon would also die. So they had to leave. And so they moved to the town or the land of Moab, which was an enemy of Israel, which just to make things worse, they're like, no, great. Now we're living in enemy territory. This is awesome. And so they moved to this new place and well, things get worse because Elimelech dies. So you just do whatever you got to do to represent dying. There it is. I thought that was going to slice me in half. Uh, that would have been funny. <laughs> um, so Elimelech dies, okay? And so now it is just Naomi and her two sons, Malon and the son that looks older than his father, Kilion. Just my drawing skills. Uh, and so, so great names, by the way. Some solid names for your future children in this story. So there you go. And so they all lived together in Moab, but then her sons got married. Okay, so, so Malon and Kilion, they got married to two women named Orpah, not Oprah, but one letter away would have been pretty funny, and Ruth. There you go. There you got it. You, can, you got it. There you go. You're doing a good job. So Orpah and Ruth, both from the land of Moab. So they lived together for 10 years as a happy family in enemy territory, worshiping a false god. It's good. Everyone's having a good time. But then the sons meet the same fate as their father, and they die. Slow fade on that one. Yeah, slow fade. Elimelech was like really fast. They saw those ones coming, I guess. You can, you can yeah, keep holding them up. Keep holding them up. So... That's a bad day, right? So in, in, in 10 years, which seems like a long time, but that's not a lot of time for things like this to happen. In 10 years, Naomi has to move from everything she's ever known to move to a new place with people and a language and a culture she didn't know, with the God that she did not know. Then she loses her husband, and then she loses her two sons. This is not good. And so now it is just Naomi and her two daughters-in-law from Moab named Orpah and Ruth. But to make things worse, they lived in what we would call a patriarchal culture. And if you haven't heard of that word, that is totally okay, because all that it means is that in the culture that they lived in at this time, 3,000 years ago, men had all of the power. So for three widows to be together was pretty much, they were pretty much hopeless. They were not going to be able to get a job, probably. They, weren't, they didn't have any influence. They didn't have any protection. They had no comfort. They weren't even going to be able to get a home. Because not only are they in a foreign land, but they don't have any, a husband to be with them. And they can't really even afford to go back to their families now because they've gone to this new family. So this does not look good. This is a horrible, terrible, painful thing. Things could not be worse for Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. Specifically... Naomi. Okay, here, I'll take those. Thank you so much, Alex. You did great holding them. They did not die, but I'm just going to set them down here. That does not mean death. 
Now, can you, now it was 3,000 years ago. It was a long time ago, right? That's, that's very long. But can you imagine with me, just try and put yourself in the shoes of Naomi. So Naomi's from Web City or CJ or whatever. All of a sudden, everything you've ever known, you're ripped out of it and you're put somewhere completely new. And then the people that you went with die. And so now you are alone in a new place with no one. I mean, sure, she has her daughters-in-law, but like we said, that, that's not going to be very helpful. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you've had a situation like these or like, like they experienced where you just kind of felt like you got knocked down. And then while you were down, life just came over and just started kicking the snot out of you. Everything was just going wrong. And it can feel terrible and it can feel isolating it can make you feel alone thankfully Naomi was was not alone but she she realized that the only small glimpse of hope was that if she went back to Bethlehem maybe she could find some family but if Ruth and Orpah came with her that was not going to go well for them because now they were in enemy territory and they were widows and and it was just not going to be good and so she says hey I I have to go back to Bethlehem You, you you cannot come with me you need to stay here go back to your families maybe you can find new husbands too she says, you, you, you can't come. And they're really sad about this because they had grown to love each other and know each other. And we read about what happens in verse 14 through 18, verses 14 through 18 in chapter 1 of the book of Ruth. You'll see it on the screen. Verse 14 says this. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. All right, so I read that, and I selfishly am like, I want Ruth as my friend. I mean, what a statement, right? I mean, we have, you probably have some great friends in this room, but you might not have, like, Ruth-level friend. That is incredible. Ruth, Naomi is insistent, says, Ruth, there is no future if you come with me. Things are not going to go well for you. You should not come. And Ruth doesn't even budge. She's, she is going nowhere. She said, where you step, I'm going to step. Where you sit, I am going to sit. I am going nowhere. You cannot get rid of me. Ruth is choosing to leave behind everything she has now ever known in the, book, in, in the land of Moab. She's leaving behind her friends, her family, her land, and her God, not the God of Israel that we, you and I, worship. She's leaving all of that behind just for the sake of Naomi. And that leads us to the question that we have to ask. We have to ask this. Why? What is Ruth doing? Because we have great friends, right? But I don't know if, if even I have a friend that would be willing to do this. And that's not a bag on our friends. That's like, wh- what's going on here? This is like next level friendship. And we don't get a clear answer. There's no verse that, we, that is just after what we read that says, and Ruth decided to go with Naomi because she owed Naomi a lot of money. Or Ruth decided to go with Naomi because Naomi was a really great cook. We don't get any reason like that. But we do know that Ruth had spent 10 years with Naomi and her family. And in that 10 years, she would have heard many stories about this God of Israel named Yahweh. 
And she would have heard about his faithfulness to his people. So she would have heard about people that you and I know about. Ruth would have heard about people like Abraham and how God had called this man out of the desert and made these radical promises to Abraham. And that even when Abraham was dumb and made some big mistakes, God stayed with him and was faithful to him. Or she would have heard about this other character that you and I know about named Moses. She would have heard about how God was going to be with Moses and promised Moses that he would use him to deliver Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and that through Moses, God displayed his faithfulness and displayed his power. And she would have heard how in these stories and more, God said to his people, you will be my people, and I will be your God. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's almost word for word what Ruth says to Naomi. So, why is Ruth saying? That's our question. Ruth is staying because God stayed. The story of Ruth's commitment to Naomi is the story of God's commitment to his people, even on their worst, most terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. Because God was going to do miraculous things through Ruth, just like he did miraculous and powerful things through Abraham and through Moses. Because Ruth and Naomi, they would go back to Bethlehem and Ruth would find a job and begin to work to support Naomi. And then through this job, Ruth would meet this man named Boaz. And Boaz showed great faithfulness and respect to Ruth. And then Ruth and Boaz get married. And then Boaz and Ruth have a child. And that child is the grandfather of King David from whose lineage came Jesus. So, in all of the mess and the pain, and the anxiety, and the uncertainty of everything that happened with Ruth and Naomi, God was able to bring about not only the man that identifies and sticks with us in our pain, but the one who bear our pain to the point of death, Jesus. And he made a lot of promises, and one of those was that he would be with us always to the end of the age. And so for you and I, that means that that's what we remind our friends of when they're in their pain. I know your lives. I know your friends. I know that there is pain. And sometimes the friend that you have to stick with in pain is yourself. And you have to remind yourself of what is true when it doesn't feel like it's true. That's what it means to be a friend that is a gift from God that glorifies God. To stay with your friends. Sometimes that means offering advice and encouragement and prayer. And a lot of times it just means doing nothing and sitting with them. Just listening. You want to look vastly different from everyone around you? Be a really good listener. Don't talk and just listen to your friend's pain instead of trying to fix it all. It's okay. But no matter what we do, whether we, we, whether we talk and go or whether we sit and, and, and just don't talk, in everything we do, pointing our friends to the truth, to the, the hope and the promise, that this God that we are talking about in this whole series, in this story, has made a promise to you and I that one day he will come back. And that everything sad and everything painful that we experience, everything that doesn't make sense, that is confusing, that's happening in our families, happening with our friends, happening at school, that he will come back and he will make all of it right again. Everything that was once true and sad and painful will become untrue. It's not just going to go away. It's going to undo. It's going to go back to how God intended it to be. And that's what we have to remind our friends to. And that this God is with them. 
So we stay because God stays. So there is a pretty famous video on YouTube. Maybe you've heard of that website. And it is called The Battle at Kruger. And it's pretty, it has 82 million views, which is a lot. Uh, and it is pretty impressive considering that it's from 2007 and it looks like it was filmed with a potato. It's so low quality that it's insane. You're just like, I don't even, I don't know what's really going on. But then you watch it and you're like, oh, I know why this has 82 million views. Because these people were on a safari trip in Kruger National Park in South Africa. And they observe, it's all, all on this like home camera that must have been like a camera phone from like 2001 or something. I don't know. And they are watching three water buffalo, three African buffalo. You know, they got the big horns that go out like this. Walk along this river. And then the camera kind of goes over like this. And you see this group of six lions just watching. And one of those buffalo is a baby. And you're like, this is not going to go well for that baby. You're like, I've seen enough Animal Planet to know that that baby's about to die. Like, this is not going to be good. Sure enough, nature does what nature does. And they're like, they're so dumb. They like keep walking. They're like, oh, what's along this part of the river? And then the lions are just like, keep coming closer. And then they, sure enough, the lions run after it. And then the baby is slower than the rest. And then it's, it's trying to run and it jumps. It's like kind of going along like the river's edge like this and tries to jump into the river to get away. And it doesn't because the lion just gets it. It's like just like jaws of power. And so here you're, and you're like, why are we talking about this? Trust me. And so here you have on the edge of the river this baby water, which is huge, right? It's still massive trying to resist getting pulled out of the water by these lions. But guess what? All of them are there. So it's like one buffalo versus like six lions. They're trying to pull out of the water, and you're like, man, that thing is done for. And you're like, man, that, that stinks for that thing. And then it gets worse because out of the water comes two crocodiles. That's not a joke. Seriously, you're like, oh, what's that splashing? Oh, my gosh, that's two crocodiles. And they're huge. And so here's this little baby buffalo with six lions going at its head and shoulders, just going crazy it's th with this thick hide, and then two crocodiles biting at its legs, both trying to pull it into the water. And you're just like, what? And that is how life can feel sometimes. Hold on. Stay with me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, can you send me that video like right now? I need to watch it. <laughs> but for real, right? Sometimes we just look at our own lives. We look at the lives of our friends and we just think, this can't get worse. And then it does. We just think, man, this, my friend's got this metaphorical lion just going at their neck and this metaphorical crocodile going at their feet. Like life is hard for them. And they feel alone. And it might not even have been their fault, right? Like that buffalo did not wake up that morning and think, you know what I want to happen today? I want to get attacked by two different species of six different animals at one time. And then all my friends abandoned me. That would be sick. That would be sick. But can I tell you something? That that is not where the video ends. Because this little resilient buffalo, you just... You, you see, the, line, the lines win, six versus two. You know, it's probably, it's inevitable. 
The lions pull the buffalo out of the water, and they're still trying to kill it. And all of a sudden, you see the lions, they're like over here, they're like, all right, trying to like rip this thing apart, sorry. But I didn't show, I almost showed you the video, and I didn't. I was like, I don't know if they can, if that's enough. But you see the lions trying to do this, and then they kind of are like, they're like this. They're looking up. They're looking at something that we can't see on the camera. Something had drawn their attention. Because the cavalry had arrived. And I'm not kidding. It zooms out, and just this massive herd of these big old buffalo are just like walking like this. Like toward the lions. And you're like, I'm out. Like if I'm a lion, I'm like, I'm not eating today. Like these, I mean like 30 or 40, and they are like full grown with these big old horns, and you're like, yeah, like, let's do it, baby, let's do this thing, yes, and it gets intense, and they just get closer and closer, and then this one bold buffalo, the hero, he, like, runs forward, they're all, like, getting closer, and they're, like, trying to get close to the lions, but they're afraid, too, and then this one just goes for it, and, at, it, like, in the same moment that it's stepping forward, hooks one of the lions with its horn, and launches it into the air, and you're like, Yes! It's amazing! It's amazing! And then the other lions get scared, and then the buffalo are like, I want to turn. And then they all go, and they're like, and then the baby gets up, because somehow it's still alive. I have no idea how it's still alive. And then it runs into the center of the herd, safe and protected. Yes, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's worth cheering for. Now, now, my friends, my friends. This is what it means to stick with a friend in pain. It means to not abandon them in this darkest moment. This buffalo was hopeless. This buffalo was going to die. It was gone. But the herd had a different idea. The herd showed up. This is what it means to be a friend that sticks with pain. We stay because God stays. And so the question that you need to answer, the question we want you to talk about in your groups is who is the friend in your life that has everything falling apart, that just needs a friend, that just needs somebody to talk to, that just needs someone to listen, that just needs somebody to be like, hey, I know this stinks, but God is here. I am here. And whatever it is, I'm here for it. Where you want to go, I'm going to go. Where you want to stay, I'm going to stay. To ultimately point your friends to this God that is with us. That he will not abandon us. That's what we need. That's what it means to be a friend that stays. So that's what we want you to talk about in your group time. So you guys can head to your group time now. And if you could, go out those side doors for me. Thank you so much. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.